Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, you lovely lot, and welcome to Football Manager Therapy. I'm Matt Richards, and on this week's episode, let us take you to the place where memberships are smiling face. Brush shoulders with the stars, where strangers on Twitter go too far. It's Club 2020, where the upsets are free. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Joining me, as always, is the George to my Andrew. He's my man. It's Tony Jameson. (laughs) I'm loving these, man. Like, seriously, this is the, the highlight of my week, is getting in front of my laptop and listening to you just drop beautiful poetry in my face and reference, let's face it, the greatest era of everything, not just music, technology, lifestyle, haircuts, trouser length, uh, jacket sleeve length as well, pastel colours, the 80s. Thank you so much. I'm very, very well, Matt. How are you, man? I'm very good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, it was So we should probably address it at the top. This is technically episode 3.1. It's it's sort of a data update. It, it, it's kind of like the winter <laughs> episode, update. Episode 3 was beta. And this is we, yeah. patched it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we did originally record uh, another episode, uh, which will now turn into a bonus episode, hopefully. Um, and and the reason why was because while we were recording uh, the original take of episode three, uh, a quite significant Champions League game was unfolded um, that did kind of distract us while we were recording as well, because we kept on sort of checking the score and going really is is that a thing i can't believe it um but nonetheless uh we thought it would be good to uh re-record this episode cuz <laughs> again a lot has happened in the meantime so yeah yeah so basically what we've tried to do and as we've discussed in the first couple of episodes we'll record something something big happens and we go Oh, we can't really wait a week for that. So, as Matt's alluded to, we were recording during the Bayern Munich-Barcelona Champions League game, which, to all intents and purposes, is probably the most ludicrous time to record a podcast that's got anything to do with football or football management. Mm. Um, of course, you know, it ended out, for those people who have not seen the score, um, it finished. It was it was so close, so, so close, until kickoff, and then... <laughs> Bayern Munich one eight two, so we kind of went. Oh, that's that's a thing, right? And at the end, we sort of dissected it a little bit. Um, and again, we'll so we're just scooting around. We're going to get into the real meats and bones of it. But of course, the next day was uh, was was Man City versus Leon, mm-hmm. and again, you, one of one of us on this podcast has a slight vested interest in that result. Yes, and it turns out that that match was also conversation worthy. <laughs> yeah, it's a, why it's is that, same, Matt? <laughs> I, I I don't know. Um, maybe we'll get into that in a second because I think I think I think we need to speak about both games 
um, where we're kind of left with the Champions League. Uh, we can touch on the on the Europa League a little bit as well, um, because uh, in the Europa League thing, there is a, a sort of an FM flavour involving one of the players, um, because he is a belting signing in the second season of FM20. So um, just making sure I get my notes up here. So so, the, so I think in, in, in our defence, when we originally like, oh, we'll record during Barca Bayern, uh, A, I don't think we thought about it that much. And B, I was kind of like, well, I, I knew it was going to be a formality in terms of Bayern winning, but I didn't. I thought it would be like two one or one nil. I didn't think it would be four one after like twenty seven minutes because we we started recording the original episode when it was two one, and we'd probably only been speaking for I don't know about seven or eight minutes, and it was already four one, and we were kind of like, oh. This is this is happening, um, which I mean, I think we, we'll start because I'm not going to break down every single goal. We'll just break down significant moments. First significant moment that that the entirety of that game was played in between like 30 to 40 yards in the center of the pitch and absolutely nowhere else until uh, Alfonso Davis decided to absolutely end the career of Nelson Semedo. He obviously has it because Semedo is a great player, but um, yeah, like that whole there is there is a high defensive line, and then there is just them sliding the slider up to the top, and then just close down more urgently with prevent goalkeeper short like kicks. It was just insane. Like it was the highest of high lines from both of them. I think that, uh, that the way that we have to start looking at that formation, and it was from both sides, they've, they've both inadvertently um, invented the guard of honour formation. Um, <laughs> so both, both were literally just like straddling the halfway. Like you were offside at the kickoff because the ball had to move forward. Like that's how high it was. Um, and yeah, just insane to think that there was going to be anything played within the space of a postage stamp. And that's how you're going to play the match. And and again, like the only other thing I think which really needs to to be touched upon is um, eight assists for Ter Stegen. Pretty much was yeah. was what I got from that. Like he's he's chalked himself up uh, a cracking score on fantasy football uh, if he gets credited <laughs> with those uh, assists. But I mean, like yeah, Barcelona is- Barcelona have been bad for for a year, two years. Like let's not beat around the bush. You know, they're not the Barcelona of sort of five, six years ago, but Bayern Munich just, they turned themselves up another level and it was at times frightening to watch, frightening so, to watch. So for me, it's, it's 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 two tales intertwining and one concluding and another continuing because I think, I think Bayern obviously started off the Bundesliga in whatever year it was, I don't know, 2015 at this point, we've lost all concept of time. But when they started, they obviously started the season appallingly under uh, uh, Niko Kovac. And then obviously Hansi Flick comes in, um, you know, originally from what I could gather at the time was not a caretaker, but certainly a, a sort of stopgap between them making a decision. And then it turns out he's quite a good football coach. Shocker. Who'd have thought it, a man that's got a, a World Cup medal um, for being on the coaching staff. And then they they just completely ran away with the Bundesliga. But I mean, the Bundesliga was weird this season anyway because you know at the beginning again at the beginning of the Bundesliga you had Schalke, David Wagner Schalke, who were legitimate contenders for 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 the Bundesliga title, and then they dropped off ridiculously towards the end of the season. So you've kind of had this Bayern rise 
that that hasn't stopped going upwards yet, and and potentially it could well continue with a Champions League trophy, coinciding with a Barca decline. But it's a, a far more sudden drop with Barcelona because. Obviously, Real Madrid ended up winning La Liga, but they clawed it back. Barca were in front as unconvincing, I guess, as, as they were. It was a spectacular f- sudden fall to concede the title to Real Madrid. And then you almost felt like, well, maybe in the Champions League, maybe they can sort of regain some composure. Uh, you know, they have some time away and, and to plan it. But then it's just continued this this downward swing. So it's this, um, I can't remember what the name of the wave is, but it's the intertwining wave, isn't it? So while, you know, Bayern Munich are on the, on the rise, Barcelona are very, very much falling off the edge of a cliff. Yeah, and I think that it's very much Barcelona have fallen into the trap in the last couple of years of almost being caught out by their own success. And like, they get to a point where they didn't. They don't have to replace players at the end of a season. They don't have to bring multi-million pound talents in because the squad they've got's great. There's always enough youth in the side, and then there's a couple of guys in the in the youth academy as well to bring through um, and and sort of have that that local flair or their own. And they've always done that. But the last few years they've been chasing Griezmann, and I don't want to make Griezmann as the scapegoat because I'm sure there's. Mm. Plenty of people find that as, as, a, as a really easy one to jump on. Um, I'd go with Dembele as the scapegoat personally. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're missing Martin. Manager, you're missing manager. Martin Braithwaite, though, aren't you? Martin I mean, Braithwaite. <laughs> yeah, like Martin Braithwaite sounds like a solicitor they've got in just for, like, to, <laughs> to, to sort them out against an injury, literally an injury claim. Uh, oh, get Martin Braithwaite to give him a call. He'll sort you out. He uh, he got me off those parking tickets a couple of weeks ago, so. He'll be he'll be brilliant. You get you get a you get you get a sticker and everything. Um, but I mean, but I mean, Dan Bailey. I mean, like they've they've literally done the football manager thing, haven't they? Of you've got to the end of the season, you've won everything, you've got a transfer budget of five hundred million, <laughs> and you've just went. I'm just going to buy the expensive lads. That should work. Uh, so so I think I think what makes this interesting with Barca is because because the, uh, there is a rot that has set in to the point where. I think what's most telling is that, that that people that are closely associated with a club that aren't necessarily at the club, I mean, Xavi is is the perfect example of this, they can see that this rot is is sort of crept in. You know, like La Masia is, is absolutely not the, the place that it used to be because, I mean, you know, the, the, the narrative there, for, you know, for the most part that I've seen is, has been that they have lost a lot of talent. Uh, you know, Dani Almo, uh, Alex Grimalde, um Kobo as well, who who is at Real Madrid now, but out on loan of Villarreal, they, they they ended up losing a lot of like youth talent because they were either not willing or were unable to offer them significant money that was being offered at other clubs. Now, obviously, that's you know maybe a football issue on a larger scale that other clubs are, are willing to now throw more money at, at 17, 18 year olds. But you know, Lamazia was one side of it, but then the other side of it is is, is a director of football slash director issue because you know there's this I, 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 this there's probably more intelligent people than me that will spot the moment where they went okay everything changed. But you know, Griezmann probably is the the representation of it because it's that thing of like you know they don't necessarily need Griezmann, but 
they wanted to get him. And, you know, even the Neymar conversation, you know, Neymar coming back was a, you know, a conversation that went on for a long time. But, you know, I think Paris Saint-Germain were looking at 200 million. And it's this thing of, of, I think we got so used to Pep Guardiola's Barcelona that we kind of forgot that this has been a Barcelona problem before this. Because, you know, look at Frank Rijkaard, you know, if you look at Rijkaard's, Barcelona, they had superstar players and it wasn't until Pep kind of came in and, and put his structure in place. But it seems to be that, you know, it's kind of like a really great episode of, of changing rooms, you know. <laughs> Pep Guardiola's coming as like Lawrence Sewell and Bowen and like done up your whole house and filled it with satin curtains and lovely pillows and has gone right that's going to set you up for life and then 10 years later you've just never hoovered you've never cleaned you know you've let the cat shit on the 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 furniture and scrag the furniture and you know there's, there's chips away in the in the sink and there's been leaks and it's just there's been no maintenance from the beautiful work that an artiste has, has, has laid before, you know. That was a weird analogy. I liked it, though, because then there was part of me going like, oh, yeah, you've bought a rumba and not bought the batteries to replace it. I just went, oh, look, look at me fancy hoover. You go, hey, fancy hoover? Yeah, 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 it just goes all over the place. Does it do anything? Not really, no. <laughs> and and again, I think there's there's a lot to be said for the moment when, you know, when Pep was there and was doing his thing and created an outstanding Barcelona team. As you say, right car's team struggled. Uh, it was Vito they had in. Um, mm. the, a lot of people at the time were saying, oh, this isn't the Barcelona way. It's too negative. They're like not going um, out and Val- blowing teams. Uh, Val- Are you thinking about Val- Valverde? Valverde, yeah, yeah. so yeah. Um, and again, like, but looking back now, going, that was the right transition period at that time. Things always have to change. There's always blocks they need to move and I don't think at the minute Barcelona have that um, I don't think they know where they need to be yet that's the problem I think they're still resting on the Barcelona of a couple of years ago they're resting on the fact that Real Madrid were um, not so uh, organised or or, or lucky I don't know maybe they thought you know with Ronaldo out of the picture this year they could walk La Liga uh, a bit easier Um, Messi's not really looked himself like there's a lot of as you said there's a lot of issues and it's visible like you can see the players mm. don't look confident when they walk on the pitch they don't look like we're Barcelona you need to take notice of us they're going on the pitch and they're I mean look at the the the, uh, the game against Liverpool last season in the Champions League do you want to do we span it all the way back there like 4-0 up and mm. thinking this is <laughs> And that's and that's the issue, isn't it? It's like I, I think there is going to be a moment of of <laughs> investigation, I guess. Um, but clearly, you know, any so there is someone at Barcelona that has been listening to our podcast because they've called up the Everton retirement home and found a new <laughs> manager because they they've gone um, they've gone. Well, who do we need? Uh, and what they've gone is. We don't need a manager. We need a scapegoat before the elections in 2021. So who is an absolute mug, uh, but has, you know, connections to the club and is quite well liked? Oh, it's Ronald Koeman. Let's Yay. get him in. Uh, so we're expecting uh, Hemus Coleman uh, to make a move to the new camp. Oh, my very God. Very shortly. Like, 
I um, actually feel I feel bad for Cuban though because like there is no way. Okay, actually, no. I'm not going to say there's no way because you know if 2020s <laughs> taught us anything, anything can happen. But I, I struggle to see that Cuman is going to be the one to turn this round because the problem is it's not it's not just a managerial problem like it's an infrastructure problem. It's a, it's almost a political problem with Barcelona because of the presidential state of stuff. So, you know, I, I do get the feeling they've gone, right, we'll get Koeman in. He'll settle everything down. People quite like him. He's Dutch. He used to play for us. Uh, you know, we might, <laughs> he might find a role for a libero in our team. Why not? And, but then when the, you know, if the president sort of leaves and changes, they are absolutely bringing Xavi in to be the man that rebuilds Barca. Like, surely right. Yeah, but I think that's the thing. Like, it's such an odd uh, appointment because it's not like you're in the middle of the season and you just need someone to stabilise the club. And at that point, you can sort of almost make um, a rationale for Koeman coming in. Like, if you wanted to just pick out random Dutch players who've played for Barcelona and are currently out of a job, De Boer has just left Atalanta, you know, which then yeah. allowed the, the football manager transfer of Stephen Glass to take Atalanta. <laughs> like, there's yeah. loads of, like, weird scenarios that, that could play out. Like, I think they could have bought their time. I think it seems to be a really rushed appointment. Like, Cumin mm. just sort of comes... Because Cumin's name's come out so quick, it, it almost sounds like he's been in there thinking for a while. Yeah, and no I mean, I'm just... turned around and just went, "No, no, let's let's not do that." Like, but then again, I suppose you know he has been Dutch manager for a while, and 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 that's you know that's a positive for him, but also that's what makes his appointment slightly more weird, I guess, because mm. he's left he's left the Dutch side a year before they're going to play the Euros. Like, it would have been different if they had played the Euros as in in the way that it was meant to happen. I don't know; it's just weird. I love it though. Because it's just more drama and it's just like, it's like sexy drama with Barca. Because like, you know, if this was, I don't know, and this is no offence to Leighton Orient, but if it was Leighton Orient, you'd be like, eh. But with Barca, it's sexy because you're like, ooh, yeah. Like, aren't they all like cool and trendy? And is is, is Messi upset or is he going to leave? Is he going to go to PSG or I don't know? <laughs> Some other random team. Like, it's just so much more sexy and interesting. And PK being a bit, you know, aloof in his press conference and, and being a bit like, you know, a bit, a bit peed off. And I was like, oh, oh, it's like, it's like a really good episode of Brookside. A really good episode. <laughs> Who's, who has, who has Luis Suarez got buried under his patio? Find out next week on the Barcelona drama <laughs> but you know what though you're not a million miles away from that and that's exactly what it's like because of the fact that it's all presidential elections it is all like drama and sort of like smokes and mirrors and and it's just i don't know like it just feels really weird like i'm now sort of racking my brains with the barcelona side and doing that whole thing of going right if if i was a club looking for a player right now out of that team who would I be looking at? Mm. And I'm not getting the same eight names I would normally get with the Barcelona mm. side. Whereas you look mm. at the Bayern side and you go, right, well, Thomas Muller is clearly, you know, like current ability, potential ability, 200, easy. Like, yeah, and he's yeah. only what? 
like this is what I, this is what I, I was talking to a friend about actually about this, and we both uh, got really confused that Thomas Muller is still is still not thirty, is he? Or yeah, he's twenty nine. Thirty, and it's like he's twenty nine. Oh yeah. man, like he's like he's gonna go on for like a few more years <laughs> at this level. Like, <laughs> I know it's crazy. Have oh. you ever have you loaded Bayern up in? In football manager because it's just ridiculous. Like you, you kind of go, oh, I can't put everyone in the team. Like it literally cannot fit everyone in because you yeah. kind of like, oh, you got Kingsley Goman and, and Serge Gnabry, and then you got Perisic, and then you got Lewandowski, Muller. Like you're like, where are we going to fit all these people in? Yeah, and but, then you've got your Alfonso Davies just rocking up. And yeah, like, whereas exactly, you go, yeah. whereas you go to Bayern and you're like, I've got, I can just about field eleven players. Like, which yeah. is which is madness, isn't it? And. And again, I mean, like you know, we look at, at sort of how how that that world is is changing and stuff. And, and we mentioned with with Muller there. Um, just as a, a slight aside, again, um, I don't know if you mm. caught this one. Uh, Mario Goetze is only twenty eight. Ah, oh, it's just he got released what, at twenty eight, and oh, and you're going. It's, it's, oh, it's I such a you sad story. Like, oh, it's such a sad story with Goetze. That he, that, I mean, that's that's podcast episode worthy alone because yeah. that does break my heart with him um so we'll, we'll leave the champions league for, for a minute because despite um madrid and or the real madrid uh, and the atletico madrid and barcelona failing there has been a success story from la liga this year because sevilla have found themselves in a europa league final um, Breaking I will news, men- can you believe it can you believe sevilla yeah. play well in the europa league <laughs> i will mention i will mention a tweet again because i did mention it on the original uh, episode when we were recording it one of the best tweets i saw all week and i can't i still don't know who, who tweeted it someone just tweeted out oh why don't sevilla just marry the europa league if they love it that much it's- <laughs> just so good um but yeah so it's i mean i i i didn't watch this game live um so i ended up watching the highlights of it and and, and i i mean this might be controversial um but i actually think united were a little bit unlucky um they, they for two two ties in a row they came up against the goalkeeper that just went Fuck this! I am going to have the best game I have ever had in my career just to upset Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Like I don't know what has Ole Gunnar Solskjaer done to all these goalkeepers? Um, because he's the, the, the severe goalkeeper is called Bono, isn't he? It's not Bono, but yeah. but we're definitely calling him Bono. Bono was just a man possessed. Um, admittedly, there was a couple of chances. I will say. I think there was a Greenwood chance and there was definitely a Rashford chance. So I was a bit like, yeah, you should have buried that, boys. Um, but yeah, I felt a bit... I felt it was a bit rough on United. <laughs> Luke De Jong scoring as well, by the way. <laughs> scoring the winner <laughs> was just the ultimate slap in the face. Like, he, he literally popped up and went, oh, I've just not thought about that man for about 10 years. So Yeah, like you, Luke De Jong hasn't even thought about himself for that long. Yeah. Which, well, he's like... What was I doing out there? Uh, was I? I was meant to deliver a package, wasn't I? Oh, I've scored a goal, soz lads. Um, yeah. I mean, oh, they're oh, the defending on that goal, though. Oh my god, it was. It really upset me. There was a great camera angle across the line of it, and I, and I think it's Wan Bissaka that's sort of like De Jong's in between one of the centre halves, which I'd probably Lindelof if I, off the top of my head, and and Wan Bissaka. And the centre half misses it, which leads to the De Jong chance. But 
I think Wambazaka is like anticipated that his centre half's going to cl- clear it. It might have been Maguire, um, and so he starts to move away from De Jong, which just made it look like he's just a. Ba- he's just gone. Nah, I can't be asked defending that. Which is obviously not what's happened. He's gone. He's he's, he's confident in in the defender and got oh he's going to get there. And he just it was just so like basic and simple and, and it was just painful like I can understand why so many United fans were so angry about it it was, it, it, it was rough or has, has he just sort of like took a side step away to be like if it falls to him it's fine he's not going to score oh he scored oh right oh <laughs> I remember oh. signing him I remember signing him on football manager with dog shit um, he's going to miss this don't worry about it <laughs> yeah and it's like oh shit uh, I'm going to get wrong for that um but uh, also as well, congratulations to Manchester United for um, breaking the world record for the number of penalties uh, yeah. in one season as well. Like they're, they're literally getting as many penalties as Lee Catamull gets yellow cards, which is quite impressive. And I don't mind it because I love Bruno Fernandes' technique on taking penalties. It's, it's, it's amazing. And also the fact my wife's a Liverpool fan, just seeing her wound up every single week. They've got another <laughs> penalty! It's like, oh God, who cares, man? Just shut up, right? Just... Um, the assist maker uh, or the assister uh, for the first goal for Sevilla was uh, second season best signing in FM20 uh, Sergio Ragilion 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 I think I can never know how to pronounce his name um, he's played a, he, he's played a blinder again he had a really good game the other week as well he's uh, he's doing alright and I, and if football managers to believe, be believed his contract would be up with Real Madrid, I believe, now slash next season. So I don't know if you signed a new contract to to Real, but yeah, he's looking all right. He's looking a nice little little inverted wing back. Is uh, is Sergio? Has uh, have Sevilla still got uh, Freddy Canute as well? Presumably, mm, <laughs> I think he's gone. Um, they know, seen, it, it just seems like they should still have him, even though he's like clearly retired and long gone. But but just, they, they had Steven and Zonzi, didn't they? Yeah. And then he turned out to be a bit of a baller. And then they had um, France, Francis Coquelin. Coquelin, you remember the yeah. Line? They just, they, they are an FM save, aren't they? Of course they are. They're just, just, like, just, just mad, mad players turning up. And it's like, all right, they'll do. Stick him in. I'll be cracking. Um, obviously, but- obviously, they got a good director of football in in, in Monchi. That's his name, isn't it? He, um, he is a very good director of football because he's he's literally just been playing FM and then every year he goes, right, sound all these players. And the manager goes, what, fucking De Jong, really? And he goes, trust me, he's going to score in a semi-final in the Europa League and we're going to win another Europa League. And everyone's gone, all right, Monchi, he's at it again. <laughs> and they've just won another fucking Europa League, so. Yeah, and fair play to the man. Like, if, you, if you're going to sort of do it, like, I think that it's better to win the Europa League consistently than have one mm. year in the Champions League and then drop back off again like why not just keep doing something and keep winning it and yeah fair play like it takes a lot to do it and they've worked out how to play that league and I think we did we did a sort of fair bit of a sort of background with them as to to where we think they're going to be with with regards to the Europa League but then I think we were looking at at sort of the rest of it and how it shapes and I think the interesting tie as well was was that into Shakhtar which again at the moment 
Of course, the moment. of course, this is live, so again, we may have yeah. to re-record the podcast in the no, morning. No, 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 no. <laughs> un- probably unsurprisingly, Inter are currently 2-0 up. Uh, it's about 71 minutes gone. Um, it was Letaro Martinez scored the first one, and D- uh, D'Ambrosio, uh, he loves the rice pudding, that lad, uh, <laughs> scored the second. Nicknamed the Devonshire Custard. <laughs> yeah, so it's looking it's looking like a Sevilla Inter, Inter final. Obviously... Inter Milan from 10 years removed from Jose Mourinho in the Champions League so that'll be I reckon that'll be an, uh, an interesting tie I don't think it'll be as um as exciting as maybe a United Shakhtar tie but I think I think it'll be yeah. a nice little matchup that. but again it's it's a nice football manager tie as well Inter versus mm. Shakhtar I mean like like obviously you know Adriano was just the monster one from from back in the day and and and, and Shakhtar you know Dario Serna Possibly mm-hmm. one of the best right backs ever in Football Manager, um, and of course your man from who you know ended up at Blackburn, Julius Agahauer. Yeah, man. Do you want a do you want a little stat that involves Obafemi Martins? Obafemi Martins. Well, is is the stat that he's not still twenty three despite what he claims? No, no, he's absolutely still twenty three and a half. <laughs> um, they were saying on commentary when I was watching the game before that Lukaku and Martinez are the first strike pair for Inter to both hit over 20 goals in a season since Obafemi Martins and Adriano. Oh, what a, what, what, a, what a formidable strike force that is. Oh, just pure pace. Just pure, rapid Pace with absolute thunderbolt finishes. But I'll tell you what That's I like pro- about about this current Inter side, though. And and again, we mentioned it on the original episode. So uh, <laughs> I like the fact that their current tactic is just by aging English footballers or aging players mm. from the Premier League. So Ashley Young has had a, become a revelation over there. Um, not that he wasn't doing very well over here because he had a great season. Uh, at left back, because I don't think anyone would have presumed he would become a left back. Um, but you know, United proved very, very successfully move him to left back, move um, Valencia to right back. It worked really well. Um, so he's gone out there to Inter. Victor Moses again, just mm. I mean, they're sitting around Inter going right. Who's not like? Let's get Sam Vokes in. That's what we should do. Uh, so I. I did think though, because I, I ended up finishing, finally finishing the mixer last night. I don't know why, but the the last chapter I just left for ages, and it ended up being it's about Conte's um, switch from back three in his Chelsea winning um, season. Mm. And I was reading that, and I kind of went, "Oh yeah, Victor Moses." But it was him that converted Victor Moses into a wing back. So Conte's just gone, Victor, you're my boy. You're coming everywhere with me, yeah. and he's he's always done a, a really good job. So. And again, they've just got a system that works. And Lukaku's looking like an absolute monster in Serie A. Yeah, like he looks. He's he looks like the player that he was four or five years ago when he was just big and strong and quick and scoring goals yeah, from all everything. sorts of angles. And yeah. on his day, absolutely unplayable. And again, I referred to him previously like the, the Ronaldo of the day um, when he played for Inter, and you know. I think it's working, man. I think it's working. This could be their yeah. year. This could be their year. It could be. So that's the Europa League final is set. Uh, in the state of play at the minute um, for the Champions League it is down to the semi-finals. I believe the first semi-final will be played on the day of this podcast release, which will be Tuesday. Uh, and it will be the the two 
very small local sides that are loved by every single football neutral in the world. Uh, it's a clash between a team called RB Leipzig and a little old team from France called Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, nothing, absolutely nothing to hate about either club uh, in this, in this Two clash. beautifully locally funded locally sourced <laughs> organic players um they they've got hashtag shop local on their shirts i believe yeah. um, every single team uh of, of the, all those players from the those two teams are from a 3 mile radius of the stadium as well so i'm i'm, I'm i have literally i really just do not want to speak about <laughs> the the things that uh, play larger than this podcast um and our understanding of morality and sociology um but i did i it's that thing of like leipzig have been signing loads of good young french players like uh, christopher onkuku uh you've got uh upa Meccano, mm-hmm. uh you had kanate but i think kanate is injured at the minute um so it, it's been an interesting one because obviously thomas tuchel and and julian nagelsman uh, know each other from I think they went through the same coaching system so, yeah. in in Germany so the, the, it's interesting with the two semi-finals we've got two French teams two German teams and you've got three German coaches because Thomas Tuchel Julian Nagelsmann Hansi or Hans Dieter Flick and then uh, you've got <laughs> Rudy 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 Garcia um, so let's let's move on to Leon because we're going to have to talk about it so the other semi-final <laughs> is Bayern Munich Versus Leon. Now, um, there is a lot to unpack here, and I, I will be talking a lot during this section, so I apologise to everyone. Um, I did say to you, though, didn't I? I was, I was kind of like, I kind of wanted City to beat us, so we didn't have to get absolutely slaughtered by Bayern Munich. <laughs> it was the fact that once the final whistle went in, it happened, and it was within seconds we both text each other at the same time and just said, we're re-recording this episode, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, of course we are. Like, we've got yeah, to address yeah. this because it was your moment, man. We can't just let that pass and football moves on so quickly. We couldn't just ignore it and then have, like, next week's episode being like, oh, I'm surprised they didn't mention the whole Leon knocking Man City thing out. Um, but again, like, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine um, over the week we were talking about the Champions League and, and I said to him, I said, look, I says, I'm going to tell you right now, City aren't going to win it, right? And he was like, yeah, well, like they've got a good enough chance. I went, they won't. I said, they're not going to win it. I said, you know, like Leon are going to give them a bit of a game. Leon might not beat Man City, but remember, Leon have just beaten Juventus. So you can't instantly dismiss Leon. Um, they've got something about them. They've got some great players, but it's that typical thing that, as we saw on Twitter, everyone's going mental because, you know, Steve McManaman got annoyed about it. Which, to be fair, again, I think Leon probably deserve another goal added to the scoreline because it annoyed Steve McManaman. Um, it was, I think, I think the problem with, with McManaman was that it, he he was holding it together until the Raheem Sterling miss. And then he just, see, that seemed to just break him psychologically. And he just went, right... And then he dragged Darren Fletcher into it. He got involved. And then Rio kind of got involved in the studio. And like uh, Gary Lineker got involved. And I was like, 
like don't get me like really do not get me wrong like, i i i'm i'm not just saying this like i i don't have any ill will towards man city at all or any man city fans or even even you know english football fans because i i understand that that league pride and you know due to me supporting leon and and used to covering you know league and back in the day i i always lean towards the french teams in 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 the champions league because I, I want them to do well and i actually weirdly always want Paris Saint-Germain to do well because they bump up Ligue 1's coefficient <laughs> points every year. So I'm like, yeah, go on, boys. Let's, uh, let's get us into the Europa League this year. Um, but it was, it, it, yeah, it, it was fine. Like, Mac is just irritating anyway, so I did enjoy rubbing it in his face a little bit. I, I enjoyed, there you go. I enjoyed I enjoyed that it upset Steve McManaman rather than upset <laughs> Pep Guardiola and Man City but, fans. I like. I loved it. What I found it. really bizarre though is that Steve McManaman was taking it personally, despite the fact he played for Man City for about two years. Like, it's not yeah. like he was if he was a is Man he, City is... fan. Like, it's not like you had Liam and Noel Gallagher on there getting really angry and going like, "Oh, this is ridiculous." Like Steve McManaman. Yeah, yeah. Who do, who would you think you would associate Steve McManaman with? If I said, right, think about Steve McManaman. You go, oh, you played for Liverpool. It takes you a while to remember yeah. he played for Man City. Yeah, I it, and I I could be wrong, but I feel like he's involved in the Liverpool Academy coaching somehow. I could be wrong, and 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 someone is probably going to tweet me and correct me, but I'm sure he's still pretty involved with Liverpool, you know. And it's just it was slightly odd, not as odd as, and I have to have to address this, not as odd as uh, that Arsenal fan whose tweet went a little bit viral on Twitter, where he claimed that Rudy Garcia had watched what Mikel Arteta had done against Man City and then copied it and then started proclaiming that Mikel Arteta was like, a, a, he's becoming a, a manager of his generation already. Like to the point where like, because again, given the year that it is, I couldn't work out if it was satire or this Arsenal fan really was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we stole it because there was so much wrong with that tweet and I will dissect it and tell you exactly what's wrong with it. But it was just weird. But I think that's the thing. It's, it's trying to find any sense of normality in this year. You're just not going to find it. Like, I mean, no. you've got that moment there and the ball comes across and Sterling's got the open goal. And you know, we, we've all been, we've seen strikers do that all the time, you know, get their foot under it, ping it over the bar. It happens, right? It happens. But Ultimately, what needs to be praised, your boys need to be praised for a good job. And what what you need to be praised for, and again, we spoke about it before the record started, and maybe we'll touch upon it a little bit more. And again, it's certainly a discussion point going forward, given you know the fact that we play in this virtual world and we spend so much time working on tactics and finding something that works. The question, ultimately, out of, out of this performance and the Barcelona performance is... Is this now the death of Ticker Tacker? Well, so, yeah, I, to, to give you a little bit of a heads up as well, um, I'm going to ask you about your favourite um, Champions League victories and football manager after this as well. So I'm just going to preload you with that information while, while I say this. And it's like, so I think the thing with Barca is that if you look at Pep Guardiola, who, you know, will aggressively, dis, you know, dismiss his tactics have ever been ticky-tacky because of, of the negative sort of connotation that comes along with it. And and, and it was sort of a, a slight in, in terms of a term anyway. Um, but it's, I think he's continued to evolve as a manager and he definitely got 
it wrong by trying to match up with Leon in in, in a five three two, which is the big difference between Arsenal, who who Arsenal play a pure three four three. Like it's they have a set defined front three because if you look at the players, it's usually Lacazette, uh, Aubameyang, and um, Pepe. Uh, we we don't we play with a two. We have uh, usually Toko Akambe and Memphis Depay because they move into the channels uh, and stretch the play. And then we have uh, a band sort of like of three midfielders, which is kind of usually at the minute it's been Husamawa, uh, Kakare, and uh, Bruno uh, Gimenez. I can never pronounce his name. Um, or Thiago Mendes usually comes on. So it's it's our tactics different also as well and I'm not I'm not just saying this to be smart or you know be whatever rude to Arsenal fans but we've had that was our third competitive game back since the restart uh, our first was against Paris Saint-Germain our second was against Juventus and then that was the game against City even in our friendlies on the lead up to coming back we played that system we've played 5-3-2 and it's been something that um Rudy Garcia has been thinking about using for for a long time, which was a kind of a bit of a bone of contention with with Leon because Leon have always sort of tended to play like four three three or four two three one, um, and I think a few people were kind of like, eh, we don't know how this is going to work. So it's this thing of 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 I think our it, it, I think the problem with it as well is is that I I think Guardiola kind of had a moment where he was like, well, I, I think because he gets a little bit worried about back threes and back fives, and, and maybe the Arsenal game did make him think, okay, it's going to be hard to break down a break down a five-man defence, you know, in, in our usual 4-3-3 structure. But it's that thing again of like, maybe he did overthink it, and, and that's kind of what's a thing he's been labelled at as well. But we, we were also fortunate in that game, we have to be honest with that, that in the sense that like, I think the, the minutes Raheem missed that chance it was like all right cool game on i mean mm-hmm. the the second goal yes there was a trip in the build-up i understand why they were angry about um the player coming back from an offside position that led to the, the you know dobella getting through um I, I i i get it and like both were you know in a var era i could see why they'd be given <laughs> but it was just how angry everyone was that it stood that i was kind of like no Fuck you all, because I'm now glad. And then obviously, you know, Dembele did the, did the business. But it, it is, it is, you know, I I think Guardiola will change and evolve again. So for him, I don't think it's the death of that possession-based football because I think he'd already, not disassociated, but moved away from it. But in terms of Barca's dominance or philosophy as a club you know the whole more more than a club sort of thing of, of it being this sort of influential structure within the community and it being like all about youth and all about playing the quote-unquote right way maybe but then at the same time like if Xavi comes back or even Kuman, like you know implements a Dutch influence style again you know they just need to modernize it and and again, I think it's an infrastructure problem rather than a than an ideal ideological problem at Barca. But I mean, yeah, Guardiola's. I mean, can be dissected. You know, I've heard people call him overrated, a fraud. You know, and there's people that will fiercely defend him. You know, I don't know how you feel about it. I, 
I feel it's, I find it hard to call him a fraud because he has been successful, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's been successful, and I'm not just going to get on the bandwagon, but he's been successful with two of the best teams at the time, and you, you can't fail to be successful with those two teams. And if you do fail to be successful with those two teams, then of course you're a fraud. I mean, Man City, I think he'll probably look back whether whether he goes this season or whether he goes next season. He will probably look back and think with the resources available to him, he's probably a bit good that he's not done a bit more. Mm. And that's not to say what he's done isn't good enough because, you know, the expectation is naturally higher at the Man City because of the amount of resource they've got. Uh, and because, you know, the standard teams around in the, the Premier League and, and the, the domestic cup competitions, they should be winning everything. Realistically, like you know, you should be getting to the point where Man City, you should predict, should at least win the Carabao Cup, probably the FA Cup and the league. And then at that point, you then go, Right, are you gonna win the Champions League? You, know, you should be looking for, for the four essentially, you know. And has he bought right? You know, you can debate that. There's some players where you, you look and you go, Fantastic signings. Some players obviously come at the end of their career, so David Silva's obviously on his way out, but. Foden looks like a ready-made replacement. I think that Guardiola's been smart in not sort of like rushing him and obviously made a very good point to him to say you are part of the team and you will come through. Um, I think Douglas uh, Louise has obviously been at Villa for a year. Um, I know there's a bit of sort of news coming around now that potentially they might be reactivating that buyback clause, which makes complete sense. I mean, I, I said at the time, like it's a great bit of business for us we got him in 15 million. The buyback cost is like 25, I think. So yeah. ultimately, it's win-win for us. If he plays well, we get 10 million pound more. Uh, if he plays badly, City don't don't activate the clause. So, mm. and he's certainly proved he's he's more than capable as a midfielder. So if they buy him back, that'll replace uh, Fernandinho, I presume. So again, there's a rebuild going on. Um, how much of a rebuild? Still quite a bit, I think. Defensively, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, probably still needs another striker. Yeah. Um, but midfield-wise, I would say they've probably got enough in in and around. And I mean, the, so to lose to lose Sane, uh, like and yeah, that was weird, that goal, right? Yeah. You sort of go like, you could build a team around this guy. Like, why is that? Like, and 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 we say about you know what was the point that Barcelona lost it? Is that the point that Pep? "Quote unquote," lost it at Man City when allowing a player like Sane, who you could make the focal point of your team for another ten years, mm. to let him go to Barcelona. Yeah, he, he and he's he, forcing that move, and you're like, um, right? Why are you not playing this guy? Like, what's what's yeah, up? He, yeah, so you know he's heading to to buy Munich, the team that uh, <laughs> now look like they're winning the Champions League. But I, maybe, do you think it's the case with, with Guardiola that that his legacy is going to be that of maybe like an Arigo, uh, Arigo Saki or maybe more accurately a Marcelo Bielsa in the sense that it's his influence on the game and his ideology that is going to be more lasting than his success because, you know, Bielsa is probably the most comparable in that sense that Bielsa has been arguably one of the most influential coaches of all time but isn't necessarily got the silverware to show it. In fact, you know, 
Bielsa kind of built a bit of a reputation until the, the promotion that he he wasn't a choker, but he, he, his teams burnt out and they never quite got over the line. Do you think Guardiola is going to be that manager? Whereas you know maybe in comparison to like a Zinedine Zidane, you know he might not be as uh, quote unquote tactically astute, but is clearly a winner and, and can be successful. Do we think Guardiola is going to sort of become this? Uh, you know, lauded figure in the sense of, and maybe is he gonna become Johan Cruyff because Cruyff was obviously successful, but was Cruyff as successful as a manager th- that he should have been? You know, he he burnt bright at Barcelona like Pep, but other than the dream team, he didn't really leave his stamp on the game in terms of accolades. But I suppose you, you you can you can ask that question for many many managers. Like I think he, if you were to say to me, right, who would you want to have a tactical discussion with, um, Pep Guardiola or Zinedine Zidane? I'd say Guardiola. Let's sit around mm. the table and talk tactics. If you were to say like how long is he going to last in the game? I could see him leaving football in the next three or four years and going. Yeah, I've had enough. Like, I'm going to go off and do something else and maybe take up a director role in about five years' time, fully refreshed. I can see he kind of has the trait now of... This is going to sound horrible. He kind of has the trait where you can look at him and think, is he going to become a Mourinho? Where he, if he stays in the game and he just goes to teams I on think- a reputation, and you know you're getting someone great, but he's not that... He's not guaranteed to get the trophies that he would have been at the start of his career... But he comes as a package and you buy the Guardiola model. As you say, you buy the Bielsa model, the Sari ball, you know, mm-hmm. and it's all these sort of uh, branded um, things. That's what I, I'm worrying. I think I think maybe he's a Ralph Ranić more than mm. maybe a Mourinho in the sense that, that Ranić spent so many years revolutionise revolutionising German football, you know, and, and like it's, it's easy to sort of look at it now and go, oh yeah, well, a back four, but... When Ranić did that TV appearance in Germany, and I think it was like ninety eight, ninety nine, when he was way down the divisions and spoke about his ideology in terms of using a back four and then high pressing, um, you know, his influence was then felt by Jurgen Klopp, Thomas Tuchel, you know, that that sort of lineage. So maybe like Guardiola becomes that, and then becomes sort of like sporting director of of a of a quote, uh, you know, maybe like a franchise. I guess is the best way to call the Red Bull system. So maybe that's interesting. Who knows? Um, by the time he becomes the director of football, um, Sports Interactive might have actually made the sport uh, director of football uh, role on the game actually useful. <laughs> Sliding. Oh. Um, before we there, move... goes, there goes the sponsorship deals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, before we move on from uh, our European talk and onto our European talk in terms of our saves uh, and, and our, our general football manager, uh, the Inter Milan Shakhtar Donetsk score was 5 0, uh, by the way. Um, so they were 1 0 up at half time and then they won 5 blooming nil. Uh, Lataro Martinez got two and Romelu Lukaku got two as well as um, D'Ambrosio Rice put in. Got one. Good lads. Um, so I think what we're learning from this podcast is that if you want to watch the game of the week, um, just <laughs> do it when we're recording. Um, yeah. So we're not recording through nil-nils, are we? No. Um, oh, that's fine. I'll watch the, watch the highlights. I can, 
I can watch the full game if I wanted to because uh, BT Sport give me that function. Ooh, isn't that lovely? Uh, right, so let's move on uh, to the the world of Football Manager. Um, so yeah, I, I asked you, I, I sort of told you that I was going to ask you this question. Uh, is there any sort of like Champions League victories in game that stand out to you uh, that were significant? Because I, actually, I'll start off this with how many times have you actually won the Champions League? Because I've not won it that much. You know what? That's the, that's the point, really. Um, probably a handful. Like mm. I was trying to rack my brains with this when we when we spoke about this during the week and sort of saying, like, "Let's chat Champions League." And obviously, one springs to mind straight away, which of course we will discuss. Um, and anyone who's familiar with my stand-up work will know exactly which one we're about to talk about. Um, but in terms of, of other Champions League wins, I think I've probably done. I've probably won it with Villa. Obviously, because I, I, every year I'll I'll have a, a save with Villa, uh, but this is probably more back in the day when I would stay for a number of years, and, and that would be my one save. So maybe that I think I've won it once with Atletico Madrid, mm. and also once with I want to say Inter. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I don't think I've done it too great. I don't, I don't think I've got it with Celtic. I don't think I've got it with Sampdoria or, or any of that. So and Germany, me, nah, I don't think, nah, I don't think I've done it. So yeah, it's probably only a handful of times to be honest. Yeah, I think I think I did it with that Barcelona save that I mentioned from FM10. And yeah. I, I know I definitely did. I definitely did. But I, I, I don't think. I've, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've not won it on FM20. I got close with. By um no Borussia Dortmund sorry I think I got to a, I think I got to a Champions League final and we lost um which I loved because I, I love I love the agony and the pain uh, it makes yeah. it makes it better uh, but yeah it's it, it is a good good programming it is tricky to I tell you what I've won, a, I've, won a, I've won a boatload of, of uh, Europa leagues though some cracking Europa League uh, experiences yeah, but we all know that is the 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 sea level european title now have you ever won the the euro cup 2 <laughs> yeah. i've won a, a a designed uh pre-season tournament uh, <laughs> which was quite nice uh, but yeah no i think i won the um i think the, the europa league i won the europa league with sunderland nice um, back in the day when it was the uh the kevin phillips Niall quinn Tommy Sorensen, they just moved into the Stadium of Light uh, era. That was good fun. Um, so that was quite decent. And I think I got... Did I get close? I think I got close with um, PSV, but never quite got over the line. Oh, that, that, would be that, nice. that was a bit. That was a bit of a frustrating one, actually. But that, that was... I really enjoyed that save. I think I played that for about sort of four years... Um, that was fun, and I had a cracking time in France at Clermont Foot. Nice. Um, that was really, really good, really good. Uh, and I think I ended up at Lille for a bit, off the back of it. Um, so I, I might go back and revisit that on 21. Um, but I suppose, I mean, you know, we'll be around the bush. The The Champions League, the the one that sticks in my memory, the the magical night in Moscow... <laughs> when Blythe Spartans took on Valencia. We all remember it. <laughs> yes. Packed to the rafters. Um, we'd won the Premier League the year before and we were about to win the Premier League again. 
So that was my second title. Um, actually, you know, maybe third. I think I'd had a couple of seasons out where I hadn't won it. So I've won it, then a couple of seasons off, then a win, then a win, and the Champions League the same season. Um, and 3-0, 3-0 against Valencia that was. Oh, that's nice. 2D match, that's 2D nice. match engine. Um, the only way to play. Like, but you know, but in, in the thing is, if you were to ask me now, I see the match in 3D. I saw it in, I saw it in dots, but I could see every little detail. Um, perfect, perfect, uh, performance. Lovely, uh, passing football. Just pace, power, goals from all over the place. They couldn't, uh, they just couldn't contain us. Um, as the final whistle went, applauded each four walls of my house, obviously. Um, and then, as we discussed in the stand-up show, uh, booked an open-top bus ride of Newcastle to celebrate, which is the only way to celebrate the Champions League. Um, it's the first time I had ever heard you existed as a human being. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> and do you know what? I probably went, what a bellend. Yeah. What an absolute bellend. <laughs> you know for a fact, yeah. every, every, everyone that's ever become a friend in my life has definitely like had that moment where I've just gone, Oh, you're a prick, and and vice versa. To be honest, though, so, yeah. <laughs> what about yourself? What's what's your what's been your crowning crowning achievement? I I I think I don't think I've ever had it because I think the thing with me is is that I always want to do it. If I, if I'm ever focusing on the Champions League, I'm always like I have a weird obsession about winning the Champions League with with a nation that that has or an area or a region that has never won a Champions League. Yeah. So. I've always wanted to win with like a former Eastern Bloc team. Oh, um, I know, obviously, that'd be beautiful, wouldn't it? I know, I know, like obviously, they got like Style Bucharest, right? Uh, won it in real life, I think. Yeah. There's, there's been like the odd team where, like, I think, obviously, Shakhtar won won the last ever uh, European Cup, um, the Euro Cup, Europa League, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you want to call it now. So, like, I always kind of look at it like that, or I'm always like, oh yeah, I'd love to win it with like a, you know, like a Ukrainian team. Mm. Or you know, like a Belarusian team would be amazing, but but then like as well as like I'd love to win it with like a Turkish team. I just that appeals massively. Um, I to be honest with you, I've been thinking about doing like a Turkish slash Greek save, like that like Constantinople <laughs> sort of vibe about it. Um, but yeah, I um I don't think yeah I don't think I've actually quite achieved it yet or had it. Um, but that leads me nicely on to to the save, our Scandinavian saves, because it's the first time ever that I am now officially in the Champions League, Tony. Oh, it is amazing. I'm going to give you an applaud, and I hope it's coming through the mic all right mm. there. Mate, like, yes. honestly, from from the embarrassment of, of my performance on the last episode to <laughs> seeing you actually win the title, it's kind of made me go, oh, I need to book my ideas up a little bit because um, this is this is pretty good, to be honest. Um, I, I said, I did say that I would I would shithouse you for, for picking a team who are already mm-hmm. expected to do quite well at the start of the game. But you know what? I'm going to take it back because it's still an achievement anyway. Um, Thanks. Thanks. Titles in there, man. And you know what? Looking at, at the performances you've had and the results, then yes, you thoroughly deserve that. You thoroughly I'll, deserve that. 
so I've pretty much come to the end of season four now. So we're in the, so <laughs> we'll cover the Champions League first. So I get into the Champions League, which was great. You know, I, I didn't have too much resistance in the qualifiers. Like they, they, they weren't a hundred percent straightforward, but we got through quite easy. And, you know, I was like, all right, I'm feeling pretty confident. And, and we draw the group stage <laughs> and my group is Inter Milan, Manchester City and Benfica. <laughs> And I played. I played each team once already, and the score has always been one nil to the opposite team. So in, in so in one way, I'm kind of like proud that I've only been beaten one nil, but I'm also a bit like, oh, that's really frustrating because we're kind of at a point, and and like City missed a penalty against us, or we saved a penalty. Um, and, and we we had a couple of chances against City, and like in each game we've had a couple of chances, so it's not felt like we've been steamrolled, which I was genuinely expected. Um, so I think maybe next year might be a little bit more competitive. Like I, I did say to you over text, I was like, I'm hoping we can beat Benfica because then hopefully we can drop drop back into the Europa League. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. But that's the thing, though. Like, like it's. That's exactly the same frustration I had at Oster Sons. Just losing one nil is the most frustrating defeat mm. you could possibly have because you know that all you've got to do is put one of your chances away, and you're getting a point. If you don't do that, you get no points. And of course, that's the simplicity of football. Um, as you know, uh, my time at Oster Sons didn't go well. Um, I've had this week. I've been hounded this week. Um, yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> on Twitter, um, which I've quite enjoyed to be honest. Fair play for uh, for people who are obviously listening to the podcast or or watching the content on YouTube. Uh, it's a guy called Tom Griffith on YouTube. He'd um, taken a lot of time out and gave me like some really good um, tactical breakdowns of where I'm going wrong, um, and it was fantastic feedback. And then I put the next episode up where I'd been sacked, and he was like, "Oh yeah, sorry about that, mate." So here's where it all went wrong, and I was like, "Yeah, I get that." Um, so that was really nice of him. So hopefully he, he's going to see the new episode um, and enjoy where we go next. Um, there's been a guy called Liam Hill who clearly took it upon himself after seeing just how poor I was, and just more importantly, how appalling um, Kadiri was as a striker for me. He was he would struggle to get into a bad Sunday league team for me. Um, so he's taken the challenge of taking Ostersunds and has finished second in the league on his first attempt and Kadiri has been the top goal scorer in the league. So, and scoring worldies as well. So do you want me to make you even more miserable? Yeah, go on then. Okay, so we got 13 million for qualifying for the Champions League, which is the most money I have pretty much seen in one go. Um <laughs> So we we currently got sixteen million in the bank, which I'm quite happy about. Um, I were got shrewd in the transfer market and picked up <laughs> Jao Moutinho <laughs> on a free. He's 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 re- he's retiring next year. Um, oh, but, well, you, have you got a link up with a team for Merseyside by any chance? It may be, um, but no, he's so. I thought, I, I thought, oh, I'll have a look. And he only wanted like eight k a week. He's a model citizen. He can still play. Got absolutely no pace, absolutely no stamina, but he, he's still pretty decent. But 
I've put him on a coaching course. And the board were like, hell yeah, we're going to make him a coach. And we want him to stick around. So hopefully he's going to join my coaching team as a model citizen. So he's currently mentoring some of the young lads as well. So hopefully they can you know, have an effect on that. Uh, I've brought in another experienced player slash team leader in the form of Seamus Coleman. That's correct. Yeah! <laughs> Absolute bargain he's been. Again, um, I can't remember what his personality is. It's something like resolute. It's something good anyway. And I needed I needed a backup to a lad called uh, Thomas Gunderland who, who who plays a right back for me. Um, so again, I've got him in mentoring. I'm probably going to make him a coach as well. But it did, I was laughing when I was signing him because I was like, oh my god, it's the Everton retirement plan. <laughs> um, and we managed to uh, we managed to grab um, Ethan Ampadu on on loan as well, just as a bit of a uh, sort of an option in, in in the DM role in in, in the sort of four one two three or if I wanted to get a bit fancy and, and play out from the back. Um, so we, we've we done all right. We've done really good, actually. Um, we were in our cup, the cup final for the first time. Um, I didn't really mean to. <laughs> I just did. Uh, but we got Rosenberg in that, so that's that'll be tight. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. I, just, I did say to you, I was kind of like, oh, I'll set up in a second for the podcast. They've just got to play the derby against uh, Tromso. Or, I, I think that's like a bit... I can never know how to pronounce Trumza. that. Trumza, there you go. Um, so obviously they're our rivals. Uh, we beat them earlier on in the season 5-0, uh, so I was feeling confident. Uh, we battered them 5-1, and I won my second league title. That's two back-to-back league titles. Bravo, bravo. So, so currently in the trophy cabinet, we have the Super Cup, uh, we have the league title, and hopefully we'll, we'll get the... Uh... Nah, it's not the treble, it's the double, it's the double. I'm not counting the Super Cup. Uh, hopefully win the cup final as well, as well as hopefully stick into some European tournament um, and then we start pre-season in, in Europe but yeah going to be building a statue of you mate that's how that one's working um, me, me and David Zilver it was going to be <laughs> getting statues so, so obviously as we said I uh, I, 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 um, I parted company with Ostersons um, after being told to go um, <laughs> <laughs> went on a slight sabbatical um, and as we said uh became manager of Helsingborgs. Now, again, thank you very much for, for interacting with us on Twitter, uh, Jonsson SG, um, who's clearly f- uh, from Sweden. Um, he found it hilarious that I was managing Ostersunds in the first place, by the way, because apparently no Swede would ever touch them with a barge pole. Um, and then I think he's a Malmo fan, because when it transpired I was manager of Helsingborgs, um, he referred to them as the local village idiots. So... Um, mm. So here we are. Uh, first game, as we pointed out, was Oster Suns away, and I was all set. I had my flag. I had me uh, I hate Kadiri T-shirt. Um, <laughs> put it in the center circle and lost two one. So I know. That, I watched it. I watched it this fun. morning. <laughs> that wasn't fun. Um, Kadiri scored. Of course he did. <laughs> Oh, but it's then, so funny. But then we played the next match, which was against uh, Falkenberg, who was second bottom, hammered them 6-0, and we looked like a bit of a team at that point. Yeah, I was like, you did. Okay, mm. we've got some decent players here. Uh, we've got Anders Grandquist at centre-half, who is centre-half and director of football. Beautiful. So that's handy. He has yet to find a centre-half able to replace him in the transfer market. Don't know how that works. Um, we then beat Falkenberg. 
We then beat Hammerbay 2-1 away to stop them going top. We drew. We beat IFK Gothenburg 2-0. We lost to Arebro. We then drew with Malmo 2-2 to stop them going top um, when Michael Loudrup was just taking charge. The last two games of the season we've sort of seen out, so I've got a bit of a end-of-season video to put together for that. Uh, we've had pre-season, which I've now got all the players, I think... Just about settled. Um, there's actually a bit of quality in the team, mate. Yeah. And I know I said this last time, right? And I know it worked <laughs> out badly, but I think there's something here, right? Mm. The formations have changed. We went with a 4 1 2 2 1. Um, I've now gone for a more traditional 4 2 4, and it's raining goals. So yeah, it is. This is what we're going to do. I've got. Two players who are linked to AC Milan mm-hmm. already. So I was sort of debating about, do I renegotiate their contracts, put a big um, release clause in? It's not realistic. It's Scandinavian football. We'll lose them for 500 grand and I'll have to make do with it. No, um, no, no. Dra- drag your heels, drag your heels. You yeah, get at least like yeah. two, and, two and a half mil for them. Don't worry. I mean, that'll be fine. I'll reinvest it properly. I've already paid cash money for three players in pre-season. So mm-hmm. I'm taking it seriously. I've, yeah. I'm going, right, season two, I'm going in hard, right? I've bought a new winger, um, uh, a guy called Erasmus Alm. Uh, he's mm-hmm. 300 grand. I've bought a defender. Oh, um, is he... Uh, he used to play in the Eredivisie, right? Like, did he play for Heronveen or something like that? Because he was quite good in one of the, the old FMs. It's like, he's got some brothers, hasn't he? I think it's the brothers because he's only 24. Um, ah, okay, but, maybe, maybe. Yeah, he's, um, he's, I think he must come from good stock because he looks quite quite decent, to be honest. Mm. Um, and we've got a new centre-half in as well. Um, and I did, I know I said that, that I, was, I was on a bit of a transfer saga with a full-back who I thought I was shithousing and trying to unsettle. Um, well, eventually I stumped with the money and we've, we've just paid big for him. So we've paid like 800 grand to get this left back in. And it's the first time I've ever seen on the little um, social news feed bit on the game where every response from the fans is baller, baller, baller. We've got a player here. And usually you get one guy who goes, not good enough. But... Yeah. Yeah, like so. Hopefully, we've done a good bit of business, and we've got get this, Lazer Weber in on loan. Beautiful for a bit of experience up top. Um, All so, I'm going to say though, Tony, is like when I was watching that video this morning of you winning five one, um, it reminded me of the '90s when Tony Blair got elected as prime minister, and the Labour Party were finally back in after. <laughs> After yeah. the t- the Tory tyrant, and do you remember the, like the theme song or like the song for the the movement was things will only get better. Like I was watching it and I was like, yeah, I was like just picturing that playing in the background. But I will say that uh, look where we are now. It's, <laughs> yeah. the ho- it's it's the hope that will kill you, Tony. It'll come crashing down. Um, yeah. I don't think the uh, I don't think that the cool Helsingborgs is quite a thing. Uh, I'm going to get the, the local indie scene uh, yeah. in Sweden. It's going to be uh, oh, who have we got? Uh, me, Aha. Um, <laughs> I think they're possibly Norwegian as well, aren't they? Um, yeah, probably, yeah. I love, uh, I love, I love how just like 
uncultured we are that we're like, oh yeah, let's let's say the first artist we know that is from the sort of area that that's from. So when I, I got one of my close friends is uh, French. And I was like, I always used to say, I was like, oh, I bet you love Serge Gainsbourg. And he was like, no, everyone in France hates him because it's just cheesy enough. And I was like, yeah, but a little bit, don't you, though? Um, ter- terrible people. Um, the right, cardigans. We'll-, yeah, that's who it- we'll get the cardigans out. They can play their popular hits. Both both the band and the practical, practical bit of clothing because it, it does get cold. It does, over it gets, gets nippy. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to leave that there. Though I did find Henning Berg. He's popped up in my league as a manager, uh, which made me really happy. Um, also, one of the Inzaghi's is there. I think it's Simeone. Inzaghi yeah. is in the league. Uh, Californian Klinsman got sacked from his Swedish job. Oh, uh, that's a shame. One of one of the people that were linked to the job was Gattuso. Amazing. Um, <laughs> But Dan, Dan Petrescu, I was like, what a random shout. Oh, but you know what? Probably more reliable, I think. Um, yeah, the, it does. The it does. In, in Scandinavia, he'd, he'd be so angry at the price of beer. Oh, yeah. He'd be so angry. Um, it, it, it does hurt a little bit that I've been, you know, relatively successful. And I will say relatively successful. Uh, and I have literally had no interest from any other job in it anywhere, not let alone you know Norway. Nothing in Sweden, nothing in Denmark. No one's interested in me. So, so, um, so, so this is the thing now. I don't know. Obviously, we're going to try and wrap this up. So you've 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 achieved the first part of this mm. of this challenge. Yes. What now? Are you playing until a club approaches <sighs> you, or are you going to walk away and hope that an offer comes and I play it that know, way? Or I don't know because obviously, like I, I think. I think Sweden and Denmark are in line in terms of when their seasons start, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Nor- yeah. Norway's not, so it's that weird thing of like if I, even if even if I left at the end of this season, which I don't think I will, um, it, it puts me in a random position incoming incoming, you know, for Denmark and Sweden. So I'm gonna have to sort of think think it through. But I did we did mention on the original recording of of this episode that. I did feel now I could walk away after year five. Like I did feel happy enough, you know, and, and again, I'm curious to see what we could do in champions league, but I, I just, we know we're like at least five years off getting anywhere near the quarterfinals. So. I'm going to make a prediction on mm-hmm. episode three of the podcast that this 10 season limit is extended somehow <laughs> very much like the Brexit negotiations where we will take as long as we take to win the titles because you're getting involved, man. And I think what you've got at Buda at the minute, it could be something quite exciting. So I don't, I've, I've you know, for, for, for the love of sport and the love of yes spreadsheets and the love of virtual management and entertainment, I've, I'm happy to waive the ten season. But let let us know what you think though on, online. If you if you think we should stick with ten seasons, we force Matt out to go into the job market because he's been too successful. Um, then obviously do tell us that. Um, or if you think it's, yeah. it's interesting enough and in what he's putting out, and you want to see where he can build, Buddha glimpse and create possibly a bit of an empire. Then let us know that as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious because like I would. I'm I'm very much up for the the challenge of trying to win European success with, with, with that team. 
Because I think I think I could. It's going to take a lot of work, but I, I could. It's just, yeah, how long it's going to take. Anyway, we'll leave that up to you guys. Let, let us know. Um, so you're currently listening to this whenever you're listening to it, but it should be dropping on Tuesday the 18th uh, of August. So the plan at the minute, the next episode will be coming out the, the week after, which will be the 25th, uh, where we are aiming to cover the Champions League and Europa League finals. So we know what the Europa League final is now. It's Inter Milan versus Sevilla. Uh, and then the Champions League final will be contested between uh, either RB Leipzig, Paris Saint-Germain, Bayern Munich, <laughs> or Lyon. But let's face it, it's not going to be Lyon. Uh, he says until next week. So we are potentially going to do a bonus episode at some point this week. Potentially. Um, schedule pending. Um and it might be a little bit of a tester in terms of doing bonus episodes as we're going to make it a retro episode. Uh, and it's going to be based around like old FMs, old players from FMs and, and old football things for people that are, aren't young and trendy and, and, you know, got their TikToks and their Fortnite dances. So we're, we're potentially going to put that out this week. Um, so that is going to be, uh, yeah, a tester. It might be a little bit shorter, uh, but it, it probably won't be because we ramble a lot. So <laughs> it's not promised that. Uh, but yeah, so that's long. kind of how um, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, because we kind of like you know with this, you know, the re-recorders re-record because we we felt we we should talk about Bayern and, and Leon, um, but as well, it's that thing of like we did want to give. You know, we try and make every episode have enough space for us to talk about stuff. Um, I would argue this week has probably been the first week where we've actually been like IRL football heavy um, and, and a football manager second. So maybe, you know, doing this bonus episode, if we do it this week or when we do it in the future, gives you everyone a little bit more of a kick of a football manager uh, specific stuff. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because obviously, like you know, we, we're aware that's what you're here for ultimately. So, um, yeah, we're not, uh, we're, we're not, we're not James Richardson and Gazette de la Sport just not yet. yet. Uh, it's good to have dreams though, because uh, dreams can come true. Tony, uh, we are Dominic Diamond and the Games Master. That's what we are. <laughs> wow, reference. I was making a Gabrielle reference. Um, that is aged us both hideously. Uh, and on that, and that. <laughs> horrible bombshell a realization that we are far too old to be hosting podcasts uh thank you very much for joining me this week mate uh, for the second time <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure um where can people find you online if they wish to uh follow your butter glimpse story and just generally get in touch with you and say hello uh on twitter i am at m richard's host um i'll probably be talking theoretically about how leon potentially can beat Bayern munich because they kind of might have a weakness it's all going to be theoretical and will will not actually happen uh but yeah i'm i'm, I'm over on twitter uh let us know as well about um you know how you, how you guys feel about the bonus episode what you want to do for me to do in the, in the save as well i might even put a little poll up how about yourself tony where can people find you and your videos uh, so the videos are on tony jameson fm on youtube obviously the uh, triple crown is there uh, at the minute obviously we're playing as Helsingborg so we're going to hopefully get two videos out a week I also have my Kaiser Schlauten save game on there as well which is going really well uh, we are up to January transfer window and we're in Bundesliga 2 about we're fourth now and I'm not going to speak too loudly but we might be in the mix for the playoffs come mm. the end of the season so that's getting quite exciting and the plan is of course to get 
Kaiserslautern into the Bundesliga and hopefully challenge for the title. And Hoffenheim are interested in me now, so that could really end the series quite quickly. Um, but I'm not going. I'm not going. Don't We're do staying it. with Kaiserslautern. No, no, no. Um, I'm on to a good thing there. So that's over on YouTube. So that's Tony Jameson FM. On Twitter, it's at Tony Jameson. Again, feel free to grief me about the Swedish um, saves. If you are managing as Ostersunds, send me more videos of goals going in um, and just, you know, your open-top buses and all the trophies you're all winning that I couldn't win. Um, you know, it's fine. I'm not bitter. Honestly, I love the attention. <laughs> so it's, uh, but yeah, like I said, let us know what you think as to whether or not we extend it or or, or bring it down. And stuff you like and stuff you want to see uh, improved upon. Uh, in the meantime, take care of yourself, stay safe, and we'll see you next week on Football Manager Therapy.